Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And if you're watching on YouTube right now, you're getting to see our beautiful faces. If not, be sure to check out our YouTube channel. We just launched it where you can now watch our episodes instead of just listening to them. But uh, if you're also just listening, happy to have you as well, as always. Uh, and Gavin, we have a great guest today. We have one of our good buddies, Prez from the Strickland. Uh, is here to talk about Kemba Walker. Prez earlier this summer wrote a really good piece on Kemba when he first signed with the Knicks on the Strickland. And uh, as a result, we wanted to have him on for the Kemba season preview to talk about a whole bunch of different things. Yeah, Prez is about as good as it gets at, at player evaluation, um, at least at least in our like line of work in terms of podcast guests. And he breaks down every single aspect of Kemba's game, um, what makes his handle so fantastic, um, the pace that he will bring to the Knicks, just how good of a shooter he is, and, and the fact that his his percentages might actually underrate that, and will he ultimately be a liability defensively, and what will ultimately define whether or not he has a successful season, and, and especially some stuff between him and Derrick Rose that I hadn't really thought of that Prez brought up that was really, really intriguing. So all that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day and i think we see willis coming out there he comes right now. Starts with a five. For the yes. up, up now fires it. and he's anthony for three All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks on YouTube. We are really excited to be here on YouTube. This is actually our, I think, our second YouTube show. Uh, we recorded our first one with the great folks from Knicks Film School, going over our bold predictions for the year. But this is our first one with like our fancy overlay and everything. It's pretty dope. Uh, doing this uh, from our. <laughs> Our res respective uh, recording places. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor chief of Nick Sight the Strickland. Uh, Going to be writing for Clutch Points this year from my classroom with my uh, chalkboard behind me. And he is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play -play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play -play broadcaster, recording from the Batcave. Let's um, go. Let's go. <laughs> with the uh, with the bar behind him, and we're joined by Prez, who is recording. In in the the blank void of space um, <laughs> from the Strickland uh, Strickland draft writer normally, but also wrote one of the the definitive Kemba Walker pieces of this off season, and that's why we decided to bring him in for the Kemba Walker season preview. This is actually our final season preview, and we decided to do this one on YouTube. Uh, Prez, how are you doing? And uh, how excited are you for some Kemba Walker basketball this season? I'm doing great. I'm coming to you live from Redacted, and I am very <laughs> excited for Kemba Walker hoops. Um, no secret that I love Kemba Walker and have for some time now. So first, like, I guess to start our discussion, you wrote like a really good piece on on Kemba, you know, and I don't just say that because I was the one that published it and edited it and everything else. <laughs> Um, you know, you, it was really, I think, comprehensive of 
what he means to New York in terms of what, you know, what this signing meant, what him playing for New York means after everything that he did, you know, coming up here in high school, going to college right up to UConn, which is like probably the closest power program to the city of New York, um, playing in the garden, doing all of his exploits they did in the Big East tournament, everything like that. I mean, let's just like contextualize that first before we get into the actual basketball. Like, what does this mean to New York and to native New Yorkers to have Kemba Walker like you, you described him, I remember in the piece, as like one of like the last great like New York point guards, quote unquote, you know, that's like scrappy, undersized, you know, gets by purely on his skills, you know, like his, his extremely fantastic dribbling package, his his pull up shooting, you know, all these things that allow a guy that's like six foot on a good day to succeed in the NBA. So like what what is his return mean to you, I guess, as a native New Yorker, but like to the city of New York at large, I, th- I think is a pretty interesting thing to look at. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it probably depends who you ask, but in my opinion, and this is pretty much what I said in the piece, it's like his return is, it's like a bunch of small wins that together are a big win because like on the court, he's still really good. Even if he's, you know, not Kemba Walker, all NBA player anymore or whatever. He's easily the best point guard we've had, not including Derrick Rose in ages. Um, you know, he's a he's a name guy, right? He's a not I'm not going to say household name, but he's a star player. Like pe- Hoops fans recognize him. My mama knows who Kemba Walker is, so that means that's got to count for something because she doesn't know most of the Knicks. And you know, it's it's the first time we've had. S- somewhat of a star like unexpectedly join us and it's it also showed that like the front office could exceed expectations in a major way and on top of that he fits what we need on the court with the three-point shooting and the spacing and the ball handling which is something we really lacked outside of d-rose so like it the combination of his history and our struggles as a franchise and laments as a fan base, it all kind of comes together in a real storybook way, you know, knock, knocking on wood, hoping that he can stay pretty healthy and all that. Um, Cause he, he just bring, he just brings that energy and the skills we need. So it's, it's just something really exciting to me. I guess this is, I mean, the biggest picture question and maybe ultimately the only one that matters, but Prez, how much do you think Kemba has left in the tank? Because obviously you kind of have to separate the injury concerns from just like his current age and and the wear and tear from basically being not the guy in Charlotte. He was like the team in Charlotte for however many years. And, and obviously in Boston, we saw him go in and out. We saw him not play at 100% a lot of the time. Took a lot of criticism for his, I mean, he was definitely a willing charge taker, but overall for his defense in Boston. And at times looked like he had lost a little bit of juice, but it, it's very hard to tell. Was that just the knee? Um, coming up or was that a guy who I mean as a, as a smaller point guard and at a position um, where shorter guys don't tend to age exceptionally well like maybe he's losing a little bit of that zest that I mean made him a household name and made him such a talented player in the first place um, all that being said statistically still a very good season offensively a year ago yeah that's the big question right and I think anybody who tells you they know the answer is full of it um, yeah. I, I've looked over the stats a lot as I sometimes do going down rabbit holes and 
it it's tough to really know, especially with like his injuries. Uh, like last year, he shot overall uh, 42-36, which is literally his career line, which is 42-36. And he scored 19 points a game, which is he scored half a point lower than his career line of 19.9 co- points per game. But then if you break it at like post and pre all-star break, he had about the same number of games. And like before the break, he shot 38, 36, 90 with a TS of 53 true shooting percentage after 45, 36, 89 with the true shooting percentage of 58. And then he played her in the playoffs, so that obviously wasn't the same guy who we saw in the second half running around kicking butt. So uh, I, I don't really know what version of Kemba we're getting. Um, we know he doesn't get to the rim as much anymore, but we know he still can. We know he can pass still. We know he can still shoot from distance. Um, it, it's really the inside the arc stuff that that is the big question mark. Last year he shot less at the rim, but was like almost insanely efficient, like over seventy percent on layups, which is not going to happen again. So I don't know. There's there's a lot of questions, but like to me, it doesn't matter because <laughs> number one, like the low end outcome here is still better than what we were coming from last year, and then also. This is something I was, I don't want to go on a tangent, but like this is something I was thinking about today is like, we still have Derrick Rose, who's really good. And I don't think people understand exactly how good, like there's a chance Derrick Rose is still better. Like there's a chance Derrick Rose is the best point guard on this team, better than Kemba Walker. And it's not because Kemba's a bad point guard anymore. It's because Derrick Rose is just a sorcerer now, apparently. I don't know. (laughs) All right, we're going to take our first break. Just a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Sweatblock. And, I mean, I'm not sweating at this moment. Thankfully, it started to cool off a little bit outside. Therefore, my house has cooled down a little bit. But let me tell you, I'm normally a pretty sweaty individual. Uh, it's not fun. It's not, it's not a great time being a sweaty person. You're always self-conscious about how your pits look. And, you know, you tailor your, your wardrobe around it and everything else. It's not a great time. Things have been a lot better since I started using Sweatblock. They're super easy to use, come in a little wipe, so it's almost like a like an alcohol wipe or something. Take that out of its package, dab it on your underarms before bed, wash it off in the morning, and then your underarms are protected for a whole seven days against sweating. It really works, it really, really works. I went to a 100 degree wedding over the summer and it was all outdoors and inside a, a hot barn with a metal roof with no air conditioning. And I'll tell you what, my head sweated plenty, but my armpits stayed miraculously dry throughout that whole thing. It's easily the best uh, antiperspirant that I've ever used. And I've tried a large number of them. And no wonder, Sweatblock has the dry shirt guarantee. If Sweatblock does not keep you dry, you get your money back. It's also the best seller on Amazon for the past 10 years in the antiperspirant category with over 13,000 reviews and currently at number one in the Amazon antiperspirant category. You can wear what you want to wear with Sweatblock, and it can be your little secret to confidence. So don't hold off. Make sure to get some today. You can get it for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm with that too. I, I think that there is there's a, a good chance that Rose might actually be like the best 
point guard on the roster. And, you know, that, that leads to some intriguing questions, right? Like we kind of talked about this on the bold predictions episode with Macri and Jeremy, but I, you know, Macri seemed to think that there was a chance that maybe Rose ends up playing more minutes than Kemba and, and not just due to injuries or rest or whatever, like literally just like minutes per game, he ends up playing more. And, I, I kind of pushed back on that, and I was like, well, I, I kind of feel like if there's a scenario where there's, you know, both those guys are going to get, you know, pretty decent minutes, like, there's probably just going to be a lot of times where you're going to end up playing together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, But I guess they're, you know, depending on what the defensive matchups are and, and everything else, we saw, you know, Kemba is, I mean, for all of his talents, he's prone to getting burned on defense. He let Raul Neto, like, absolutely cook him in the final preseason game. And it wasn't by virtue of just not trying either, so much as you might want to, you know, pin it on that. It was in part due to the fact that he just can't hang with guys. You know, he, he even someone as unintimidating as Raul Neto in the grand NBA scheme of things, uh, he can sometimes have a problem hanging with. So maybe there are scenarios where Rose ends up closing more games than than Kemba. Um, I think that maybe brings me to the the next thing though, like. Prez, I'm curious, what do you think, like, I, I think Kemba's role is going to be interesting to, to keep an eye on this year. Um, do you think that he's going to he's gonna for sure be the guy that will be opening and closing games for this team no matter what? Or do you think there are some chances that, you know, he might, we, we saw this happen with Tibbs last year where certain guys had almost a guarantee that they were going to be closing games, like Julius Randle. Um, I think it was kind of just Julius Randle, if we're being honest. Like, I mean, toward, down the stretch of the season, Derrick Rose was pretty much a guarantee to be closing games. But other than that, I mean, he's willing to, based off who's hot, I mean, he would sit RJ down to close games. And if Alec Burks and Reggie Bullock were doing great, that was your wing rotation to end the game. Um, if, you know, Nerlens Noel, for example, was doing really well, he would leave him out there instead of putting Mitch back in. Um you know, that these are the sort of decisions that Tibbs makes throughout the season. Do you think there's any chance that Kemba won't be part of that guaranteed closing lineup type of guy? Or do you think that he's he's pretty much based off his stature as a player and, and everything else that comes with having freaking Kemba Walker on your team? Do you think that he's he's probably going to end up, you know, closing most games? No, I don't think it's guaranteed because I, I think it'll be a, a mashup thing because him and Rose – they're both really, they're both pretty good. And it, you know, it depends how things are going. Like Rose is a great shooter now, but he can't put him up from far with the same volume that Gamba can. But if he gets that thing, he'll shoot it. And like, he doesn't like, we've seen it in the preseason. The guy shot like a million percent from three. And last season he shot 40% for three. So it's not like he's a, a bum out there from three and he gets into the paint more and stronger than Kemba will. And he's probably a better defender than Kemba on ball. Although Kemba's probably better off ball. So they don't, they both bring different things to the table. So I, I think it'll, it'll be like last year. Like you said, like it'll probably be Julius. And that's really it. Cause everybody, he has so many tools at his disposal coach this year that like, I don't know if, if somebody forces his hand by playing super awesomely, then maybe somebody else will join Julius as guaranteed closer. But in the start, I don't, I don't think they're going to pencil anybody in like that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating to even think like there could be a game where Alec Burks is like six of seven from three and all of a sudden <laughs> he's in there. And like, that sounds weird to say, like given like all the different options, but it's true. And like, I, I've talked a lot about this offseason about like them potentially playing Rose and Kemba together. I don't know how that works defensively, but if both those guys are rolling, like on offense, sure. yeah, you, yeah, I mean, we, we like what we've seen from the Knicks that has been so amazing this preseason is just having passing, shooting and ball handling at the one through four spots and the kind of like the, the exponential like cascading effect of that and how much stress that puts on a defense and the Knicks. I mean, they've taken advantage of it because they've been extremely unselfish. And I think, Alex, you were saying this um, a little earlier on our Bold Predictions podcast, like that's taking into account that a lot of these guys are missing shots that they would typically make in the regular season. The, the more important thing is they're getting such clean looks. And, and I guess, Prez, that's that's kind of um, it, it, what I want you to get into next. Like, what's sort of the cascading effect that Kemba has down in this Knicks lineup? And I know that's also about Evan Fournier, and that's also about R.J. Barrett. But it feels like, I mean, obviously, like, like it's, it's easy to say anyone was an upgrade over Alfred Payton, but it, it's almost immeasurable like what his presence means for every other guy on the floor yeah I think the biggest effect is on pace um he's I think way more likely than anybody else on the roster maybe Fournier is up there too but like Kemba's a little different because he controls the ball as the point guard but like he's not afraid of taking a shot in the first five seconds or just driving straight and kicking in the first five seconds. Julius still, you know, he still likes to measure things up and warp the defense by just holding the ball and faking and stuff like that. And everybody else kind of plays off of them. And and Derek, even Derek Rose, like he's, you know, when he brings the ball up, it's, it's usually steady and controlled. And, you know, like we saw last year, he's not going to, speed demon it up or whatever like the Aaron Fox or something so that causes chaos when you have guys who can dribble past shoot if you have somebody like Kemba who's willing to just run up there and shoot or run up there and drive and kick and just start making chaos happen and I think it literally just means like more possessions and when you're a good offense like this team probably will be like it's going to be more buckets so um it might be too simple of an explanation but to me it's like he just causes chaos because guys can't stay with him and he's has a quick trigger yeah i i noticed that with him too i i guess the one thing that has sort of worried me this preseason is that kemba i mean i this isn't unique to him you know we've (laughs) also seen this with quickly um i guess those are the main two i mean kemba just is not really had it shooting the ball this preseason, I feel like. And I know I shouldn't be worried about that, but there's a part of me that's like irrationally worried <laughs> that he's just kind of like forgotten how to shoot. Um, and and I worry, I mean, here, here's the thing, and maybe this is where the, my line of thought is going. I worry a little bit that if his shooting is not like borderline elite, like pushing 40% from three, that he might not be nearly the player that we want or need gives you know his his i don't i don't want to say lack of burst he still obviously has burst but his but he hasn't shot 40 percent from three like like everything yeah because he takes such hard three-pointers and shots one thing that i'm kind of with you like during the preseason sometimes i had to i would be like man is is that a good shot but it's literally just a mental adjustment from what we saw last year where it's like guys take their times and 
it has to go from Julius to someone else. Sometimes Kemba would take a step back three or a, or a, or a mid-range shot with like five seconds into the play. And it's just like, oh, like, is that really a good idea, Kemba? But I, I think I think he's still a good shooter, but like because of the volume, he'll never shoot 40% or something like that. I'm not really yeah. worried about the jump shot. I'm more worried about the defense and like we we have to see what Tibbs can do to hide him because like we've seen other really good coaches do that and I'm sure Tibbs has great ideas for it but we haven't seen that because he hasn't really had the need to hide anybody so far all right we're gonna take our second break we just want to remind you guys today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar and you know it Built Bar is one of my favorites I eat them all the time after I go work out I try to stay as active as I can going to the gym and and staying active, Bilt Bars always help me recover from that. They come in so many delicious flavors, too. It really doesn't feel like I'm eating a protein bar, even though I am. It's a couple of my favorite flavors, coconut and cookies and cream. They remind me of some of my favorite candy bars. They're absolutely delicious. And really, I mean, it, it gives you that impression like you're eating a candy bar without all that guilt associated with eating a candy bar. No fats, no or, you know, not a huge amount of fat or calories or sugar or anything. If you're going to have, you're eating a candy bar, even if it tastes like one. Built Bars have 16 grams of protein, just 130 to 180 calories, only four to five grams of sugar, and four to five grams of net carbs per bar. You're not going to do any better with any other protein bars. At least not any that taste as good as Built Bars do, I can tell you that much. So if you want to get some for yourself, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And guys, we wanted to remind you that we're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron and the hardwood as teams are back for another football and basketball season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Yeah, I I kind of wonder about that too, but, you know, I just feel like if this team has a full powers Mitchell Robinson and hopefully a full powers Nerlens Noel and Taj Gibson backing those two up, I, I don't yeah. think that should be too much of an issue, or at least I want to hope that it's not too much of an issue because I think that that's really a core tenet of what Tibbs wants his team to do. He wants them to he wants he wants them to funnel people into the middle, which is yeah. kind of funny. Like this came up during the bull predictions thing too, but I, I kind of was like, you know, it's funny, like Tibbs had this reputation and all these people said prior to last season, like, oh, Tibbs doesn't adjust. He's an old fuddy duddy, like he doesn't know what the hell he's doing in the modern NBA. Um, he's never going to adjust his defensive scheme. It's just ice, ice, ice. That's it. You know, blah, blah, blah. And then what did he do? But like, they, you know, they don't really push people towards the perimeter anymore so much. It's more, he wants to funnel people into the middle, into these three behemoths that he has as his, you know, his starting backup and third string center in Mitch, Noel, and Taj. And he knows that they can handle business on the inside and deter people from trying to get there. And like we already saw, even just even just with <laughs> with 
fresh off of injury, super tired, dead legged Mitch um, that, you know, he was he was, uh, you know, already deterring people from going towards the rim. So there's a part of me and I mean, I don't know, maybe you feel differently about this press, but like there's a part of me that almost thinks that based off of what Tibbs is always valued from point guards anyway, as long as Kemba tries and he doesn't actively sink the defense when things happen that are sort of beyond his control, that are just a result of him being as short as he is and all that stuff, it hopefully shouldn't affect them too poorly. I don't think on that end, just based off how the scheme is now, where it's very, very dependent on the the wing defenders and the the help defense from the big down low to kind of push things along on defense. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, it, it, it was a concern, but I'm not like, from a team perspective, I'm not super worried. I I agree with you. I think it's still most of the time it's going to be Kemba and four other guys who can play really good defense or in the case of Evan Fournier, passable, fine defense. So I'm not really tripping over that. Prez, what do you what do you think of Kemba as a passer? Because I know not a guy who's ever put up like massive, massive assist numbers. I think we were talking about earlier today, career high somewhere around six a game. And he, it feels like he's someone to me that more so like gets the machine in motion. Like he will get the like hockey assist or like one pass away from the hockey assist, but he'll, he'll start things going and create a sequence that is favorable, but not necessarily be the guy who like draws enough attention to um, get an assist every single play. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious for a more like nuanced take on, on what exactly brings to the table in that respect. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, to use an analogy that I sometimes use when describing point guards and passing, he's he he makes the reads in the textbook, and he makes them with regularity. Like we've seen already, like all the basic stuff from him in this preseason, even with his like not shooting that well and rustiness and whatever. We've seen him like manipulate the defense from the top of his eyes and then pass it to the corner. We've seen him throw an alley-oop. We've seen him uh, just do a basic pick and roll pass to somebody rolling. And, you know, we've seen him drive and kick, but he's never going to do stuff where it's like, whoa, that's not in the textbook. Like LaMelo Ball who's just going to like make some shit up. Oops. I don't know if we're allowed to curse on here, but make some stuff up and just like invent new new ways to find people open. He's not going to do that. So he's, I think he's similar to Rose in that way where like they're, they've mastered the essentials, but you're never going to get like crazy freestyling. But the good thing is because his handle's so nuts, he can, he can kind of make some openings on the interior that are uh, not available to some other guards, which help helps make up, I think for his like lack of ability to do some of the cool passes that taller guards can do and stuff. For what it's worth, we get, you know, you used up our one shit per episode. <laughs> so good job. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Crap, I just did a second one. Now we're screwed. We're going to get fired now. <laughs> um, so this is on YouTube. No, they don't like cursing. We're going to get removed from the algorithm. We're going to learn all these new things. Anyway, um, <laughs> Prez, I, I got to, this is another thing that that has been bugging me about Kemba's offense. And I'm, I'm well, not bugging <laughs> me, but it's been, it's been a it's been a thing in the front of my mind as far as thinking about how he's going to work this year. So I'm curious your thoughts on it. He's he's been for most of his career, and I mean, I guess Boston could be considered. You know, I I'd be lying if I said I did a ton of study on how he looked in Boston 
um, with Tatum and, and Brown and all that. But uh, uh, it's sort of the same thing that follows around a guy like a like a Dame or a Kyrie or something like that, where Kemba, it's, it's like when you think about him, you think about Kemba with the ball in his hands. And that is the way that he generates most of the looks that he gets. Or at least the best looks that he and that's how he that's generally how he scores the ball is he has the ball and he you know uses maybe a screen or something but he finds a way to to put the ball in the hoop. The thing with this Knicks team is I feel like there's going to be a lot of times where he's going to be a spot up player uh, where he's going to have to be ready for passes from Julius Randle getting inside or a pass from R.J. Barrett if they're deciding to kind of feature him on any given play. Or even Evan Fournier, you know, just kind of whoever else other than Kemba Walker happens to have the ball. Like the Knicks have done a good job of now building this team where it's Kemba plus three. Uh, it's really it's Julius's team. But if we're talking about in terms of Kemba, like it's Kemba plus three other extremely capable ball handlers out there and extremely capable playmakers. So what do you think about Kemba as a off ball player? Like, I, I think that we've seen and, and you know, I've said in many ways, I think coming on to a team with Derrick Rose is going to be really good for Kemba at this stage in both their careers because Rose at this point, for all the faults he had his first time around with the Knicks, now I think is really, really good at like knowing how to play without the ball in his hands just as well as he can with the ball in his hands. Like He's really good at moving around without the ball, finding the right spot on the perimeter, catching that kick out pass and having the wherewithal to make the right decision about whether to take that that quick spot up jumper or to put the ball on the floor and keep the keep things moving again you know if, if things break down I think those are situations that Kemba's going to be put in a lot because obviously if Derek Rose was putting those a lot last year then Kemba filling the role that Rose was filling like late in games is the like de facto he wasn't the starter but he was certainly the closer last year like he was closing games with the starters minus Alfred Payton you know, I, I think those are situations that Kemba's going to find himself in a lot. So how do you think Kemba does without the ball in his hands? Like, how is he going to adjust to this this new situation this year where I feel like even more so than when he was on the Celtics, where obviously they had Tatum, who's a fantastic player. I, I think that he's going to have more times this year where he's, for lack of a better term, just kind of watching things happen and is going to have to make sure that he's in the right place to make the right thing happen you know, for himself or for others. So what's your confidence level in him as like an off ball player this year? I think it's a high floor. Like I don't, uh, uh, so he's a fantastic shooter. And, you know, like I said earlier, his, his three point numbers don't reflect how good of a shooter he is because of the difficulty of them. But if you look at his catch and shoot numbers, they're I always like, mentioned, by the way, he did, he did shoot almost 40% one year in his career, 39.9%. <laughs> he got yeah, almost there. He could do it this year because, like, yeah. like for for this exact reason, because he's mm-hmm. gonna have more chances to take easy threes. And like last year, I think he was thirty nine or forty percent on catch and shoots. He was forty five percent on wide open threes. So, like, you know, this guy's a professional shooter. He just takes some hard shots and is not a tall person. So, like, if he's off ball, cool. Like, I'm for it. I think it'd be great. Just like when Rose, you know, we've seen Rose shoot forty percent from three. Just standing on the perimeter or whatever the question to me is is he off ball going to be like rose where he's like a spacing threat except obviously probably gets more respect from three than rose or are they going to get funky with it and do more how we see with quickly where quickly is more likely not just standing still but screening for he's the best screener on the team like he's 
hitting people and just causing chaos because he's such a great shooter. And it, that's the question to me. Is Kemba comfortable doing that stuff? And if he's not, like it's not the end of the world, but that's just something I, I wonder about because um, they could do it. But he's, like you said, he hasn't really had to do that. It's more of the just when he's off ball, it's more just watching stuff happen and just preparing. Uh, Prez, can you put in perspective, like, just how bad of a defender he is? Like, are we talking Trey Young, something a little bit more than that? And I think I think when that question really becomes relevant is playoff time. And I know you mentioned that you think he's better off the ball at D-Rose. D-Rose is better on the ball. But does that become a conversation for Tom Thibodeau in, in certain matchups where he has to say, like, you know what? If they're just going to keep going at Kemba time after time after time, I'd rather have Rose out there because, to your point, that's – not a significant drop off offensively on certain nights, not, not a drop off at all offensively. Yeah, it's definitely a conversation. And, you know, some nights they might be like, Oh, someone's kicking our butt. Let's, let's get Rose out there. He's a little bigger, but in terms of what he is defensively, um, I, I think it's mostly fine. Yeah. Off ball. He knows where to go. He's took more charges than the entire Knicks team last year, which is insane. And an awesome stat um, because he knows where to go off ball. Like there's times and, and that doesn't even account for the times he doesn't take a charge where the, he screws the whole play up for the other team because they see him ready to take a charge. So it's not just like a, you know, once every couple games thing, his off ball being in the right place. And the other thing I wanted to mention, um, when we tweet this out, I'll, I'll reply with this link. One of my favorite basketball videos that I like to send people is from uh, Ben Taylor. Uh, his thinking basketball channel. Um, he's, I think his name is Ben Taylor. Is fantastic basketball mind writer, whatever. And he has a matchup on the Celtics. I mean, he has a YouTube video on the Celtics Raptors uh, playoff match playoff series against each other from a couple of years ago. And the whole like half the video is about Brad Stevens Nick Nurse chess match hiding Van Fleet and Kemba Walker, who are both short good defenders, but because, like y'all said, in the playoffs, it, it, like you can be great off ball, but if you're short, they're going to find you and they're going to take advantage of it. So it's it's the whole – he details like, oh, they're doing this pre-switching and then the other team sniffs it out and they try to call out the pre-switch, but there's like counters to the pre-pre-switch and all this stuff that's like way over my head. Yeah. And it, it's just – it's you know Tibbs lives for this nerdy stuff, and he's probably got like wild video or binders or something on file with all this stuff. Easier yeah. said than done, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If anyone's gonna be a maniac and and get into trying to figure out how to crack whatever code, it's gonna be Tibbs. I mean, it's a team effort thing. That's the yeah. thing about how, it's not just a coaching decision. Oh, we're gonna hide somebody. No, it's like because you're talking about coordinating pre switches and stuff like that. It, Hiding Kemba requires buying from the other guys. So that'll be kind of interesting. And it also requires an approval from everybody, Kemba (laughs) included, an acknowledgement that Kemba is someone that needs to be hidden. You know, and I I think that that'll require a certain amount of humbleness on Kemba's part that, I mean, I have no reason to believe he doesn't already have, or maybe he even already kind of acknowledges, like, yeah. For Stevens. Yeah, exactly. Like he he's old enough at this point in his <laughs> career to not be like, no, give me the the assignment coach. I want him. You know, he's not like R.J. Barrett. So, you know, like who's like or like Alfred Payton. What was it? <laughs> I forget if it was last year or the year before where he like waved off help versus and, some 
versus yeah. some star. Maybe it was like Harden or something. Yeah, and Elf was doing like I seem to remember Elf doing the slap the floor thing at one point too, <laughs> and trying to act all tough. Like, and clearly, I mean, he needed to be hidden too. You know, that was another guy that needed to be hidden, but was too bullheaded to ever want it. Right. Um, you know, I wouldn't expect someone like someone younger who's actually a good defender, like say an RJ, who I just said to ever accept that sort of thing. But at the point of Kemba's career where he's at, you know, I think that he probably has the wherewithal to be like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, yeah. Like, let's figure out something where I can be, you know, where I could take my energy for offense. Let's put it that way. It'll be sort of like what the what the Hawks did with Trey Young last year. On right. the Knicks, where they just say, "Hey, we're going to find you a defensive assignment that requires minimal effort, and you stick to him like glue, and that's it, and that's Reggie Bullock, and you know that's that's what you're going to do." So hopefully, the Knicks are able to do sort of imitate that sort of style this year uh, with Kemba Walker. So to sort of start wrapping up our discussion here, because we're getting getting towards the end of the the show here, um, we've asked this for pretty much every single player I think that we previewed, and this is our final one. I can't believe that we actually <laughs> it, we're. We're honestly the kings of starting these projects where we review and or preview players and then just kind of like trailing off and it never gets done. So I'm pretty proud of us. We actually managed to do it this year. We hit every single player on the Knicks. We previewed them before the season started. This is this is the final one, Prez. You got to be on the last one. The question that we have asked every single time is what would constitute a successful season for Kemba Walker this year? And I figured we could kind of go around the horn on this, but being the guest, uh, Prez, I'll, I'll throw it to you first. In, in your eyes, what represents a successful season for Kemba Walker this year? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, uh, I would guess the biggest the biggest thing you want to look at is games played, right? So 82-game season, I think pff, 60 would be pretty phenomenal, judging from... Although I don't know, like he he played about two thirds last year, like more than that the year before, and eighty games or so the two years before. So I, I, maybe I'm setting the bar too low, but I would say I would say sixty five games of twenty five minutes per game, putting up a slash line of like. 44 38 with a league average true shooting percentage how's that for specific <laughs> that's really specific yeah yeah i i'll take that i was gonna paint with much more broad strokes and i probably still will um <laughs> gavin what would you say is a successful season yeah to me it's it's not even i mean it is how many games he plays in somewhere around like 65 to 70 would be amazing it's is he fully healthy for all those games and I, I think that is the biggest thing getting him to the finish line fully healthy and and again only like playing him when he's fully healthy because the Knicks between Derek Rose and Emmanuel quickly they have the depth to be really really conservative with Kemba Walker and the big issue with the Celtics last year was like the season got moved up and, and Kemba thought he had more time and, and got I think I, I believe it was a knee procedure at a certain point and that kind of screwed up his entire year I think he never really got on track and, and kind of rushed back and it, it just never really clicked and felt right for him. So I, I think a Kemba Walker that, again, even slightly diminished in terms of his explosiveness, if he's feeling pretty good and pretty healthy, he's just he's a picture perfect fit on this team. And, he, and again, he's going to be the engine for what I think will ultimately be a top 10 offense in the NBA. And the most important thing, again, is that he's just fully healthy come playoff time. So to me, that's kind of what you're looking for. Yeah, I would say uh, I, I like both those things. I think that 
the health is obviously thing number one. If I want to set the bar even lower, <laughs> I would say be demonstrably better than Alfred Payton. And that's pretty much all you need to do. I mean, I, I don't think that you, the thing is, is that by adding Kemba, even if he only plays like 80% or even 70% of what he used to play like with Charlotte or even, you know, what he played like with Boston, you're getting so much more production than you would have gotten from Alfred Payton, who you weirdly, if you're Tibbs, started for every available game last year during the regular season, didn't sit him until the playoffs. And even at the most limited amount of playing time that you were giving him during the regular season, still would give Elf like 17 minutes a game, or sorry, like 14 to 17 minutes a game by virtue of playing him like seven minutes to begin each half roughly um you know literally if that if if Kemba played 15 minutes a game which I don't think is going to happen but if he if he played 15 minutes a game and played it better than Alfred Payton did he's going to make this team demonstrably better than they were last year um and that's how low the bar is for him so really like all he has to do and all the Knicks have to do and all Tibbs has to do is keep him healthy enough to contribute all throughout the year and don't be afraid to maybe have a game here and there where Derrick Rose starts and quickly spells him off the bench as the backup point guard or vice versa. Maybe you have quickly start in place of Kemba as an attempt to sort of get quickly uh, acclimated to being more of an alpha type guy and have Rose come off the bench and spell him for a few games. Um, you know, I, I think that's the main thing for me. It's just, and, and so it's really, it's not even on Kemba that much. All Kemba has to do is just kind of be himself and just play how he's always played. and. I I guess if we're talking about the injury thing, not be afraid to go to Tibbs, who I'm sure can be kind of intimidating as a coach to tell that you have an injury or something and you want a day off <laughs> uh, and, and not be afraid to just be like, hey, Tibbs, like I need a day off today. You know, the knee's bugging me. I don't want to screw with it. I'm going to talk to the training staff. I'll get treatment today. I'll be back next game, you know, or even if it's the second game of back to back and he's like, it's a little swollen today. I want to take a day off. You know, don't be afraid to do that. And then I think there's no way that this cannot work out well for the Knicks if, if all that happens. So that's kind of where I'm at as far as Kemba's uh, uh, season coming up. But Prez, this has been great talking with you about, about Kemba. Um, again, I'll, I'll direct everybody to look up your piece uh, from the Strickland that you wrote on Kemba. I'll probably, if I remember to, I'll link it under the, the Twitter link to this episode as well. Um, now that we have a YouTube, maybe I'll put it in the YouTube description. Oh my goodness, what a what a concept! I um, can do a I can do a li- I can record a live reading, or we can get someone, <laughs> whoever has the coolest voice of all the people on the Strickland. Maybe Theo. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, Theo's got a great <laughs> voice for that sort of thing. The uh, what? It, how did you describe it the one time? He's got like a. Uh, he's from the Bahamas. It's just everything like, he sounds is automatically says is automatically cool. He, he's got like a Bahamian uncle vibe. Like yeah, you know, like you just want to listen to him talk. Yeah. He's, he's definitely got that going on. Um, at any rate, do you want to let everybody know where to find you online, uh, where to find your work, all the great stuff with the Strickland and all that good stuff before we let you go? Yeah, at underscore P-R-E-Z-I-D-E-N-T-E on Twitter. On the Strick.land is where you can find my rambles. And uh, yeah, hit me up if you want to talk draft stuff because I also have 
draft Strickland, the spinoff of Pod Strickland, uh, where I get to nerd out with no with no rules or constraints. So uh, you can find me there. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Prez, for popping on. Uh, thank you all for listening to us uh, on whether it's still just in podcast form. If you decide to make the switch to YouTube, we appreciate you for joining us. And uh, we will be back. We have, I don't want to completely say that it's 100% in place because we've, we've had to reschedule a couple times. We have a cool other guest coming on this week in the lead up to the season. Uh, that's another big Knicks content creator. So we'll, uh, we'll leave that one nebulous for the moment. But hopefully <laughs> we'll have that coming out before the season starts. And we'll have lots of great coverage this whole season. Again, both in podcast form and on YouTube where we now reside. So thank you all so much for tuning in and we will talk to you all soon. Peace out.